0: We're starting this new series called Unstoppable. And this morning, the title of this message is Unstoppable Connection. Unstoppable Connection. Now, I love the decade of the 90s for so many reasons. And uh, one of the reasons is because I graduated high school in the 90s and I graduated college in the 90s. I met and married my beautiful wife, Jessica, in the 90s. And the first of our three children, Riley, was born. In the 90s. And uh, another reason that I love the 90s so much is because Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls dominated in the 90s. They dominated. Now, I know some of you here, you guys are bandwagon Bull fans because... It's before, it was way before the thunder rolled into town, And uh, but I want you to know that I'm, a, I'm from Illinois, raised in the Chicago area, and I am a Bulls fan, and I loved the Bulls in that day. Man, they were something special to watch. Man, I was a Bulls fan before Michael Jordan. This is when Artis Gilmore was the star of the Chicago Bulls, but I love the Chicago Bulls. They were something special to watch, man. They won six championships in eight years, and in 1996, they set a NBA record, they won 72 games that season in 1996. Now, what made the Chicago Bulls so good? In fact, they were nicknamed the Unstoppables. What made them so unstoppable? Some of you would say, well, they had number 23. They had MJ. And, uh, man, MJ was awesome. Everybody wanted wanted to be like Mike. I played basketball in high school and college, and I would drive to the basket. I'd stick my tongue out. Ah, you know. And I couldn't play like Mike, but I wanted to be like Mike. I'd stick my tongue out like Mike. And, uh, man, MJ was awesome. But he, listen to what Michael Jordan said about their success. Michael Jordan said this. He said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. Talent wins games, but teamwork. Everybody say teamwork. And intelligence wins Championships. You see, Michael Jordan, as great as he was, he knew that he had to have a connection. He had to have relationship with, te- with a team. He had to have the right people around him. So that's why he had Scottie Pippen and Luke Longley and Steve Kerr and, and even Dennis Rodman. Even Dennis Rodman was part of that team. And he had to be connected to the team. He had to have those people around him. Now, did you know this, that the church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable? The church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. We are the church, and we are unstoppable. You are the church, and you are unstoppable. You can live an unstoppable life. So what makes us unstoppable? There's a lot of things that we could talk about, but we're going to focus in on on one key component to the church, to you and I being unstoppable, and that's this. You and I need to have the right relationships we need to have the right relationships we need to have healthy life-giving and authentic friendships if we are going to be unstoppable and here at people's church man we believe this with all of our heart man we emphasize this that's why we talk about community groups we put an emphasis on community groups and and basically community groups you hear us talk about it community groups is just really an environment where you can come together with people And you can become friends and you can encourage one another and build each other up in life. That's what community groups is all about. So today we're going to talk about building strong connections, building strong friendships. We're going to look at what it takes to be a good friend. Because I believe this, if we can learn to be better friends, if we can be better friends, then we will strengthen our relationships and it will help us to live unstoppable lives now if you read the Bible there's all kinds of men and women of God that were unstoppable due in large part to their friendships to the people that they surrounded themselves with and and the one I want to focus on today is the friendship of David and Jonathan and if you turn in your Bibles to first Samuel chapter 18 first Samuel chapter 18 we're gonna kind of park there today and just look at a few scriptures This is really a fascinating story Uh, First Samuel, chapter 18, and I'm going to read verse one, verse one. It says this, David and Saul finished talking and soon David and Jonathan became best friends. Jonathan thought as much of David as he did himself. Now, let me give you a little bit of background in this on this friendship and what made it so significant. You see, Saul is the king of Israel. One of the most powerful people on the planet. He's the king of Israel, God's people. And Saul disobeys God and he's rejected as the king of Israel. So God needs to get to, to find a new king. So he goes out and he chooses an unlikely candidate. He chooses this guy named David. David was just a young man. He was a shepherd boy. God chooses him. The prophet Samuel goes and anoints David that he is going to become the next king of Israel. Now, David's not king yet. He was anointed to be king. Let's fast forward a little bit here. Israel is in battle with the Philistines, and the Philistines are really taking it to him. And, and Israel's in battle with them, and David is sent by his father to go in to take food to his older brothers who are at the battlefield. So David goes, and he makes his way there, and he takes food, and when he shows up, he finds out that there's this giant Goliath who is intimidating The armies of Israel, he's mocking God and he's mocking Israel and David doesn't like it too much. In fact, David, he becomes a little ticked off and David picks a fight with this giant Goliath and David ends up killing Goliath. Instantly, David is famous all throughout Israel they started having a party in the streets man they're dancing they're singing his name and his his pictures on on billboards it's on magazine covers the paparazzi were all over david man he was really popular he was famous saul didn't like it too much in fact saul got a little bit jealous he was threatened because of david and and saul begins this this onslaught where he he tries to kill David, and that takes us to chapter 18 and verse 1, when David and Jonathan become friends. Now, here's the tension. The tension is this. Jonathan is Saul's son, and Saul wants to kill David, so Saul wants to kill his best friend's son. That's not good for family relationships, all right? Now, here's another point of tension. Jonathan is supposed to be the next king of Israel, not David. Jonathan is the one who's supposed to be the next king. David's not supposed to be. Jonathan is supposed to be the next king of Israel. So what's going to happen here? Man, this is an incredible story. What a fascinating story. What's going to happen to David? What's going to happen to Jonathan? What's going to happen to their friendship as this thing plays out? And it's in this story that we see a picture of an amazing friendship. And I want us this morning, we're going to focus on five keys to being a good friend. We're going to learn from David and Jonathan, five keys to being a good friend. Number one is this, a good friend is unselfish. A good friend is unselfish. Check this out in verse one. It says that Jonathan thought as much of David as he did himself. He thought as much of David as he did himself. Now, it would have been real easy for Jonathan to be like, Man, David, it's been nice knowing you. Man, you've been a real good friend. We've got some good memories, man. Uh, Man, we had some great times. But you know what? I'm supposed to be the king, not you, David. It had been real easy for Jonathan to betray his friend David so that he could be the king. It had been real easy for him just to turn his back on that friendship and just to look out for himself. But Jonathan didn't do that, did he? Jonathan was a faithful friend. He was an unselfish friend. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others Don't look only to your own interest but also to the interests of others But here's the problem In our culture today our culture is very self-serving in a lot of ways isn't that true Man, it's very, it's very selfish. It's me oriented. That's, that's kind of our culture today. And, and unfortunately, this mindset has crept into the way that people live out their friendships. So a lot of times people, they have friendships, but oftentimes they approach friendships with an agenda. Man, how am I going to, how am I going to benefit myself from having this friendship? How am I going to promote my career by having this friendship? How, how what What good can I get out of this friendship and and all of a sudden they're, when the friendship stops benefiting them, all of a sudden they move on and they they move away from that friendship. Can I tell you this that real friends don 't have an agenda? real friends don 't have an agenda in fact, real friends put their friends first they put other people first. A great picture of a friendship is is when you do something for a friend, and you know there's no way in the world they're going to be able to pay you back for what you're about to do. That's a great picture of a friendship. In fact, uh, Coach John Wooden, who just passed away in the last few days, 99 years old, one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all times, he said this, he said, you can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. It's powerful. It's powerful. Man, if we, can, if we can take that to our friendships, our relationships, man, that will revolutionize friendships. That can revolutionize marriages. It can revolutionize families. If we would be unselfish, if we would approach our friendships and be unselfish, a good friend is unselfish. Number two, here's the second key. A good friend is concerned about what's going on in your life. A good friend is concerned about what's going on and your life. Take it to chapter 20, 1 Samuel chapter 20. David had just been attacked uh, by Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. And David runs in, he finds his friend Jonathan, Saul's son. He's like, dude, your dad is trying to kill me. Your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan, at first, he didn't believe it. But Jonathan didn't ignore it. Jonathan was concerned about what was going on and he started to ask questions. He became an advocate. For David to his father because he was concerned about what was going on in his friend David's life. Now, the New Testament church community that we read about in Acts chapter 2, listen to this, Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it says this, all the believers were together and they shared everything. They would sell their land and the things that they owned, and they would divide the money and they would give it to anyone as he had need of. Now, Is that not incredible? Man, they took care of each other. And in that day, there was persecution. A lot of Christians, man, they were persecuted. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. And and the church came together. Man, they took care of one another. It goes on to say this. The believers met together in the temple every day. Not just on Sundays. Man, they came together. They were a part of each other's lives. They ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. They would come over to each other's houses, man, they met in each other's homes. They'd bring their food together. Everybody bring their favorite casserole. You know what I'm talking about? They'd get their favorite casserole. Somebody would have to bring that jello salad. Now you can't have a church group meet together and not have jello salad with marshmallows in it, all right? Somebody would bring, you know, those barbecued smoked hot dogs, man. I love those things. And and they would get together, and they, they would have food together. They were involved in each other's lives. They were concerned about one another. I challenge you, man, be a friend that is concerned about other people. Ask questions like, man, how are you doing today? What's going on in your life? How are you doing in your relationship with God? How's your marriage? How's your job? How are your kids doing? Some of you say, man, Troy, I don't want to do that. I want to ask people that because they might actually tell me how they're doing. Say, so then I'm going to have to, you know, I might have to help out. I might have to do something. I might have to sacrifice to help somebody out. Let me take you back to point number one. A good friend is unselfish. We're concerned about one another. We're, we're interested in each other's lives. You see here at People's Church, it's our desire for people to care for one another, to care for one another, to know each other, to be involved in each other's lives. And guess What? That can't happen by an hour on Sunday morning looking at the back of someone's head. It just can't happen. Everybody right now, look at the back of the person's head that's right in front of you. Okay, everybody looking. Don't be shy. Now, how well do you know that person by looking at the back of their head? You don't know their name. You don't know know, where they work. You don't know about their family. You see, here it is. Church can't just take place sitting in rows. Church has to take place sitting in circles. We have to be connected. We have to get to know one another. We have to be involved in each other's lives. And that's why we put this emphasis on community groups. We've been talking about our summer activity groups. This is, this is simply a way for you to, to sign up, to, to get involved, to, to get to know somebody this summer, to, to be involved in someone's life here at People's Church. Number three, what's a good friend? Another key to being a good friend is a good friend protects. A good friend protects. 1 Samuel chapter 20, look in verse 33. I want you to see this. This is what Jonathan did for his friend David. He protected. In fact, he risked his own life. Verse 33, it says this. Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan. Now, wait a second. Jonathan is Saul's son. Saul, his dad, he's trying to kill him. He's trying to kill him, his own son. Jonathan was risking his life for his friend, David. I love this. And then it says, so at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. It's like, oh, I guess he's serious. You see, Jonathan risked his life to protect his friend. When I was in middle school, I remember coming home on the bus, school bus, and man, there was this bully that had been picking on me. And uh, we, we were getting ready to get off the bus, and I thought, oh, no, here it comes. And I thought, man, this guy's going to, who knows what he's going to do today. And uh, we get off that bus, and a friend of mine stepped up. He couldn't take it anymore. A friend of mine stepped up, confronted the bully, confronted the bully. And, man, they started going after it. My friend, man, he took this bully down to the ground, and the guy had his face on the ground, and, and he put an old wrestling move on him called the camel clutch. Now, some of you, you don't know what the camel clutch is, so I have a picture of the camel clutch for you. That's the camel clutch. That's the sheik putting it on Hulk Hogan. Man, that's when wrestling was real, back in the 80s. That's what I'm talking about right there. It's awesome. Well, man, he put him in the camel clutch. I thought, man, that is so awesome. I tried it on my little brother later. My my family didn't like that very much. But I stood back and I thought, man, that is so cool. A friend of mine stepped in to protect me. Well, hopefully you and I today, hopefully we don't need protection from bullies in our lives. But the kind of protection that we need that comes from our friends is is to have a friend that can speak truthfully into your life. A friend that can be honest with you. The Bible talks about speaking the truth in love, a, a friend that can come to you and ask you some of those tough questions. Man, how's your marriage? How are you doing in your relationship with God? And are you, are you living with integrity? How, how's your family doing? Is there anything, is there anything I can pray with you about? These are the kind of friends that they step into our life and they, and they serve as protection for us. See, I'm involved in a community group. We meet almost every week. And in that community group, guys in that group, we ask each other questions like this. Now, how's your family? How's your relationship with God? We hold one another accountable. You see, some of you say, man, dude, I don't want that. It's nobody's business. I don't want somebody asking me these questions. Now listen to this. A sincere friend, a trusted friend can be a protection to you, can help you to avoid making some mistakes in life. They can, they can be a protection. They can save you from lots of heartache and lots of pain from making bad mistakes. Proverbs 27 and verse 6. Listen to the scripture. It says this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Man, that's, that's so true. To have a friend, to have a, a connection, a relationship with somebody that can speak truthfully into our lives, that can be that source of protection for us. Number four is this. A key to being a good friend. A good friend encourages. A good friend encourages. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, David is basically running for his life. David thought it was all over, man. He thought, dude, th- this guy is going to kill me. One of the most powerful people on the planet wants me dead. He has all the armies working for him Man, he is going to kill me. David thought it was over. He runs in. He talks to his friend, Jonathan. He's like, man, I'm going to die. Jonathan encourages him. He says this in verse two. He says this. Never. You are not going to die. Man, in in that moment, that had to be just soothing for David. Oh, man, tell me one more time. Come on, (laughs) John. Tell me one more time. He says, never, you're not going to die. He brought those words of encouragement. You see, it was in that moment when David was facing death, he was running for his life, that Jonathan brought words of life and words of encouragement to his friend David. I challenge you this morning, People's Church, to be the kind of friend that encourages other people. Be the kind of friend that lifts other people up, that builds them up, that speaks words of life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says this, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encourage each other, man, build each other up. You see, you can use your friendship. I can use my friendships to either build my friends up, encourage people, or we can use our relationships to tear people down. I challenge you, be an encourager, build people up. January 10th, 1997. We had a tragedy in my family that really hit close to home. My mom and dad were driving home from an appointment, and it was a cold winter day in Illinois, and there was a snow blizzard out, and they were going up over an overpass. And as they were going over this overpass, there was a truck that was coming off of the exit, a bread truck. And when that truck got to the end of the exit, my parents were driving the car, and the truck didn't stop and it collided at full speed into the passenger side of my parents' car. They, they, they believed this, that my mom, who was in the passenger side, was killed instantly at the point of collision. The car was pushed to the other side of the road. It was actually in the ditch up on its side, and my dad was there with injuries. He had internal bleeding and had to wait for the ambulance to come to get my mom out, to get him out, and, and uh, took him to the hospital. As he's there in the hospital, he knew he had just lost his wife of over 25 years, and he, called, he had one of a, his associates he worked with to call me. I was a youth pastor in Illinois, Bloomington, Illinois, and he called the church office. My pastor got the phone call, brought the news to me that my mom had been killed in a car accident. It was at that moment, Jessica and I, we had been married about a year and a half, and my pastor and his wife, they took my wife and I in a snow blizzard, and we drove over two hours and made our way to Carlinville, Illinois. You see, I had two little sisters. I still do, actually. Two little sisters. At the time, they were five years old and eight years old. And you see, my dad wanted me to go and to tell my little sisters what had happened. And I remember that that day, man, walking up to that house. My sisters had no idea. They saw me. They were smiling. They're like, man, Troy, you're here. And I walked in and, and I had to take them to another room. And I told them what had happened, that their mom had just been killed in a car accident. It was the most difficult time in in my life, the most difficult time for our family to walk through those days and months and years together. But I, I can tell you today that God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. He's provided. He's taken care. God is faithful. But I want you to know this. One of the things that brought me through those that time in my life and even to this day, one of the things that brought me through was to have friends, to have people in my life that were encouraging people that would speak words of life, people that were just there for me, people that said, hey, man, I'm praying for you. I'm here for your family. They would write cards. They were an encouragement. They lifted us up during that difficult time in our life. In fact, even to this day here, 13 years later, I still have a good friend. He pastors a church in Indiana. A good friend, every year on January 10th, he calls me. He says, man, Troy, I just want you to know I remember your mom. I remember the accident. I just want to encourage you. I love you. I'm praying for you. You see, that's what it's all about. That's what living in community and church community is all about. It's coming together. It's lifting one another up. It's speaking words of life, being an encouragement to one another. Some of you here this morning, you've come to people's church today, and maybe life has been difficult recently. Maybe some of you, there may be some here, maybe you've lost your job recently. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your home, in your marriage. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe, maybe there's someone that you're close to that has cancer and you're walking through that difficult time in life. I want to ask you this question. Do you have people in your life that are able to speak life and encouragement to you? Do you have people surrounding you able to encourage and to lift you up? You see here at People's Church, we believe that our community groups, our small group environment is a place where we can come together as the body of Christ, where we're not just sitting in rows, but we're sitting in circles. And we come together and we can look each other in the the eye and we can encourage each other. We can build each other up. We can pray for one another. Maybe some of you today say, man, I don't need any encouragement. Everything's going great in my life. Let me tell you, there will come a day where you will need encouragement. And in the meantime, you have an opportunity to get plugged into a group, to get connected with other people, to bring encouragement to somebody else. You see, a good friend encourages. A good friend brings life to that relationship. Number five, here's our final key to a good friendship, to being a good friend. A good friend helps you to be successful. A good friend helps you to be successful. First Samuel chapter twenty, you guys know the story. Here we are right now. David's running for his life. He thinks, man, he thinks it's all over. Saul's trying to kill him. And here's what his friend Jonathan says to him in verse four. Jonathan says, "Hey David, tell me what can I do to help you? What can I do?" And you can read the story. They came up with this plan, and and, and Jonathan did help David. Jonathan helped David to be successful. He was unstoppable. Saul wasn't able to kill David. David goes on to be the king of Israel because Jonathan helped David out. I want to encourage you, be the kind of friend that says to people, man, how can I help you to be successful? What can I do to help you out? Man, how can I pray for you? How can I be an encouragement to you? When I go back, I remember my first year of high school, freshman in high school. And I remember heading into high school, I was scared. I was like, man, these, these seniors, you hear all the, the stories of freshmen hazing and uh, you know, how they're going to knock books out of your hands and uh, they're going to put you in garbage cans and all that kind of stuff. You guys remember high school, man? It's, none of that happened, all right? But I remember heading into high school, man, I was kind of nervous. I was kind of scared. But going into high school, there's something else that contributed to that because going into high school, I had made a decision that I was going to do something for God that year in high school. I wasn't just going to go with the flow. I wasn't just going to get caught up in the wrong crowd. And I knew that high school was a fresh start. It had to be a turning point. It was a pivotal time in my life. And I had made a commitment, man, I'm going to to let people know that I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going to do something for God. So me and a good buddy of mine, he's actually, he's a pastor in Illinois and, uh, right now, but me and this, this good buddy of mine, we came up with this plan. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to carry our Bibles with us to every single class at East Peoria High School. Now, I was scared before, now I was really scared, all right? We're going to do what? We're, we're going to carry our, but man, they're going to kill us. But we were committed. I'm going to do this because I knew that high school needed to be different for me. I knew this was an important time in my life, and I remember that day as we were getting ready to walk up those steps to head into head into school for that first day. I remember being scared, but I want you to know we were successful. We were successful. We were able to do it. And guess what happened, man? Man, I didn't get dumped in garbage cans and all that. In fact, other people, they saw that we were followers of Christ, and they kind of stepped up and said, hey, we are too. And, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people that were following Christ, and we started a, a Christian group on campus, and people came to know Christ. It was an incredible, incredible experience because I had a friend that was going to help me to be successful, to be successful. You see, you and I, we need to have these kind of relationships this is how we live out our, our life and community. We need to have relationships that will help us to be successful as we follow God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says this. Let us think of ways that we can motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. Let's think of ways that we can motivate each other. Another word for that is stimulate. You know That we can stimulate one another. We can motivate one another toward acts of love and good works. You see our success in life, our success as followers of Christ is largely determined by what kind of relationships we have in life. You see it's teamwork that wins championships. And I ask you the question this morning, do you have connections? Do you have friendships? Do you have people that are speaking life into you? Do you have people that are challenging you, that are encouraging you in your walk with God, encouraging you in life, encouraging you to move forward in life? You see, the strength that comes from these friendships is going to help to make us unstoppable. See, the church is unstoppable. Man, we're unstoppable. All the powers of hell cannot conquer the church. We are unstoppable when we come together. See, there's a simple way that you can plug into this this summer. We've been talking about our summer activity groups today. I just want to encourage you with this. If you're not connected, you say, Mentor, I don't have these kind of friendships. I don't have these kind of relationships. Maybe, maybe you say, you know what, I do have these friendships, but but this is an opportunity for you to go to be a friend to somebody else, to encourage somebody else. Today, before you leave, when this experience is over, you head out into the lobby, the main lobby here at the back. Stop by the summer activity group table and sign up. Man, take that next step. There may be some of you, have been afraid to do it, man. You're like, man, I don't know if people, how it's going to work out. I encourage you, take that step. Get connected. Be involved in other people's lives here at People's Church. You say, man, Troy, what's, is it really that important? Friendships and all this kind of stuff, connection, relationships. Listen to this. Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees. They asked him the question. They said, hey, what is the most important commandment? Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 22. He said, the love, the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's the most important commandment. And He said, but hold on one second. There's another one. It's equally as important, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, what we're doing today, what we're talking about today is really important. It's really important that we love one another, that we build friendships, that we're unified, that we're connected. Because when we're unified, when we're connected, when we have the right relationships, then we are unstoppable. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I pray that you would just speak this word to our hearts today.